0: And issue for all women.
1: Hello, Jen here to tell you about this week's episode of The Sunday Chops. In this week's episode, I had a lovely catch-up with author, TV writer, general legend, Mallory Blackman. Mallory Blackman is the former children's laureate. She is one of the leading authors of young adult fiction in the UK. You might know her for the Noughts and Crosses series, which I'm going to be talking to her about in this interview. We also talked about the differences in writing for adults and young adults about the political bimfire that is the world at the moment because it's quite hard not to talk about that to be honest and just how cool Mallory Blackman really is it was an absolute delight to chat to her so I really hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed talking to her (laughs) I'm joined by Mallory Blackman, author of Crossfire, the fifth instalment in the Noughts and Crosses series, as well as many, many other books. Mallory, hi, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about, first of all, about the Noughts and Crosses series for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with it because it is young adult fiction and a little bit about the new
2: book. Noughts and Crosses is basically it's a story of a teenage boy called Callum and a girl called Sephy and Callum is a nought and Sephy is a cross. And in their world, the noughts, who are seen as kind of like the zeros um, of the of society, are white people and crosses, who can some of them who con- consider themselves closer to God in every way, are black people. <laughs> so as I said, Sephi's a cross and Callum's a nought. And in their world, noughts and crosses aren't supposed to mix, but they've grown up together and they've uh, they've been sort of best friends forever. And it covers their teen years where their re- re- relationship actually goes into something deeper, but because of what happens to Callum in his life, he actually finds himself being drawn into joining a terrorist cell. So that's the first story. And basically the the series is about Callum and Seffi, and their daughter Callie Rose... And uh, so the fifth in the series is Callie Rose is now grown up. She's an adult and one of the characters from the fourth book, Double Cross, Toby, he's also grown up because in Double Cross they were teenagers. But in this, in Crossfire, grown up and Toby has become really ruthlessly ambitious. He's a politician, but he wants to rise to the top. He wants to be the first naught prime minister of Britain. And just as it looks like he's going to get everything he's wanted, he's arrested and charged with murder. And Callie is a barrister, she's also his ex-lover, but she's a barrister, so he goes to her and says, I need your help because I didn't do this. And it's basically, it's a story of what happens to them and the repercussions for their families uh, because it also features Toby's daughter, Liberty, or Libby for short, and Sefi's brother, Troy. And because of what's happening with um, Toby and Callie, Libby and Troy find themselves in a world of trouble as well. So that's the fifth in the series.
1: In the foreword, you say that you were basically, you thought you were sort of done with the series after the fourth instalment. So, why did you decide
2: to return to it now? Well, the books have always been inspired by current events. Noughts and Crosses was kind of inspired by things that happened in my own childhood and the Stephen Lawrence case. So it was kind of a sort of my attempt to kind of make sense of some of the things that happened to me as a teenager. And then Checkmate was about um, Callie Rose when she was 16, being groomed to be a suicide bomber by her uncle Jude, Callum's brother, and then. Uh, Double Cross was kind of inspired by the sort of spade of knife crimes that had started up and in that Toby joined a gang and to do one thing to make some money but it's one of those things of it's very easy to join these gangs it's very hard to leave them, they won't let you leave so it's him finding himself in a world of trouble and because of something he does, Callie Rose gets shot and uh, then he goes after the people who kind of he feels are responsible for that. That was inspired by knife crime So, and Crossfire was inspired by current events again with Brexit and Trump and that whole thing of politicians who are quite happy to play the that play against people's fears and their rhetoric is so divisive because they know that's going that's what's going to get them into power. So I wanted to explore the whole idea of a politician and what you have to do to rise to the top and all the people you have to tread on and how ruthless you have to be to get there. And it's like sort of a Macbeth thing where he's just so ambitious. He just Toby is desperate to be kind of prime minister and he doesn't care who he has to tread on to get there. And so that's what I wanted to explore in the book. I have to ask do you think you're done with it
1: now after the fifth or do you think maybe because there's current affairs politics it's, it's not going away
2: <laughs> it's not and i know there's there is definitely going to be at least one more and it's called end game and i'm working on it now and after that i keep saying to myself and then that will be it that's why it's called end game but i've said so often right, that's it i finish now i finish now and then something else happens at the kind of makes me think oh okay you know I want to write about this and then one of the characters starts whispering in my ear and says the story's not quite finished yet which is what toby did with um, crossfire so who knows i keep i have told myself now to say n- to sort of that saying never say never but i think after endgame at the moment in my head that would be it that would be the last one
1: i've read the book and you cover a lot of ground in the book so obviously there's quite a lot of the backstory of Toby and Callie Rose without giving too much away you know it covers a lot of themes that young adults will be reading about you know teenage pregnancies and and whatnot but also as you say you know it's based on current affairs and it is quite political what
2: made you want to write about sort of political things for young people because I think young people are absolutely interested in politics I think I've been asked a lot well, what makes you think teenagers are interested in politics and I know for a fact they are. Sometimes they're turned off by party politics, but politics absolutely they're interested in. It's the teen- the teenage years are where you're trying to make sense of the world and your place in the world and I think people like Greta Thunberg for example with climate change and so forth are proof positive that um, young people are concerned with these issues and they'll you know they are the ones who are leading the way as far as kind of protesting and standing up to you know racist rhetoric where you get people like the EDL marching and so forth. So, and it's not just to say it's it's only young people, but they are definitely there. They're front and centre. So I know for a fact they were kind of interested in politics, but what I was trying to do in the book is not just present a thesis on politics. I wanted it to be a proper story that people would be engaged in and want to kind of follow the characters and know what happens to them. But it's set with that sort of political backdrop.
1: I mean that you've answered my next question, which was how engaged do you think young people are, because they do seem quite engaged to me when you're interacting with young people when you're out and about talking about the book because it's kind of I guess it's sort of stealth politics really it's not like it's not in your face but it's it's definitely there. you can read it and you can sort of relate it to what you see around you at the moment. What kind of feedback do you get from the young people that
2: you're meeting? Well, it's, it's been over, overwhelmingly positive. And a lot of people are saying, well, where's the next one, where's the next one? Because they want to see what happens next. But it has been overwhelmingly positive, thank goodness. But that said, I think with all, all of the books in the Noughts and Crosses series, and in fact all of my YA books, what I hope is I'm providing entertaining reads. And in some of them, it, they're pure entertainment. And others, it's sort of like perhaps raising topics for discussion and debate, where I'm presenting characters who are going through things And then I hope what it will do is it'll get the people reading it will want to kind of discuss it with their other people who've read the same story and so forth. And I love that because they say, oh, and I talked to my mum about this. I talked to my grandparents about this or whatever. And I love the fact that now the books are being passed from teens to their parents and grandparents and also the other way. Because Noughts and Crosses has been out sort of like, what's it? Nine, 18 years so now I've got people saying oh I, do, I get I read it when I was a teen and now I've given it to my teenage sh- you know son or daughter which is lovely it makes me feel really old but it's lovely and and the fact that sort of you know sharing the book and discussing the ideas and and what's going on in in the books I just love that I think that's amazing because I love doing that with my own daughter what is it
1: about writing for young people particularly that inspires you
2: well, what I love about writing for young people is the fact that you very quickly know whether you have them or not. They're a very honest audience, and when I go in, into schools and literary festivals and so forth and and speak, you know whether they're engaged or not. Then and and also they're not polite in that they won't just read the book because they bought it. If they don't enjoy it, it will go down. They'll just put it down and move on to something else. So it means you kind of you have to stay on top of your game kind of thing and you have to kind of engage them and keep them and I just love that audience because as I said it's an honest audience and it's also they're not shy at telling you what they think and feel about it and and I love that and I love the fact that they're kind of open to I've written some books that I've got some weird and wacky ideas in and you know teens will go with that whereas sometimes adults will go well that's that wouldn't happen or that couldn't happen or whatever whereas teens will absolutely just go with it and so so that's why I love writing for children and, and young adults
1: Because their imaginations are a bit more open
2: I think so I think they're just more open to kind of new ideas and so forth and, and in fact I've had a couple of adults say to me but not in knots and crosses it's black people in charge and, in britain and, and it's the sort of white people that are second class citizens and that's not how britain is and i think yeah i know you know it was speculative fiction it's an alternate britain i've never had a teen say that to me and i just kind of think well okay i thought that was obvious that that's not how britain is it's kind of as i said it's speculative fiction you know so i love writing for, for teens and children that way and it's like enough one of my books boys don't cry which features uh, a boy called dante and his brother adam and adam is gay and he's out and he's proud and he's got no problem with that but it's all the stories sort of how his family deal with the fact that adam's gay and it's also dante gets a, a baby dumped or his baby dumped on him he didn't even know his girlfriend was pregnant and she just arrives and says i can't cope and dumps a baby on him and disappears so now he suddenly he's a teenage dad but the Adam story, because it was sort of a, a, a black teenager who's out and proud and gay, I remember doing a talk with just to adults, and there were a couple of people in the audience, one man in particular, who was so upset with me because, you know, the subject matter. And again, I've never experienced that with a teenage audience, but this man, who was kind of in his... 40s 50s he was glaring at me and he was staring and he was moving backwards and forwards. but when i was talking about adam's story because he he just didn't like the fact that i'd written about a black character being gay you know so that said i think in a way i kind of think if i if i've written a book for young adults and some adults somewhere aren't upset by it, then I, ha- I failed, <laughs> I haven't done my job, so so it doesn't bother me. I thought, well, I was talking and then sort of afterwards he said, did you really need to to, to write about that? And I said, if, if teens can go through it, it's a legitimate subject to write about. So the fact that he was upset about me kind of broaching that subject matters wouldn't stop me, I would never let that stop me. And I'm, you know, I've had another adult come up to me, with another one of my books, Pig Heart Boy... Uh, about a boy facing his own mortality and he knows if he doesn't get a heart, he'll probably not see his next birthday. And I had one man come up to me and say, no child wants to read about the, someone dying. Why, why on earth would you write a book like that? And he was really upset with me. And I said, well, if there are children who are ill and there are children who are dying. Are you saying they should, they're not allowed to see themselves in, lit- in the world of literature? And I said, and also, if their friends are reading my book, it means that then they will hopefully have strategies for coping and talking about to their friends about it. But he was saying, but no child wants to read that. And what he was saying was, I don't want to yeah. read about that. And so... I kind of said, well, we'll have to agree to disagree. But he he was really upset with me. And it was sort of, I thought, this is fascinating because I've never had a child or a teen or anyone who's read the book say that before. And it's like saying that there's certain parts of society, if you're a a child who's ill, then you you don't deserve to be written about. And we, you know, you should be over there and we don't really want to see you. And I think that's quite insulting.
1: Well, I mean, also, you know, death will touch all of us so it's you know and and why not have that conversation
2: with people when they're young absolutely and i think you know i think we do our children a disservice if we if we don't provide them with a safe space which is what books are to discuss these issues and to confront the, the the fact that you know their loved ones are going to die eventually, and and that's why I think their books like Badger's Parting Gifts and so forth, which do it really delicately, broaching the subject with infant school children, but I think that such books are valid and. Otherwise, when it, when it does happen to a child, when they lose a grandparent or a parent or whatever, the effects can be even worse if they've never seen that sub- subject tackled before, if they've never read any books that t- tackle that subject before. So I think, actually, we need books like that. We need books that cover all of these things. We're doing on November the
0: 18th. I'm thinking of, and I want you to brace yourself for this, Hannah, but I am thinking of talking to some men. Ah, wow. Any yeah. men in particular? Handpicks three. Craig Parkinson, that's right, he of Unbuttoning and Buttoning His Jacket on Line of Duty and also the amazing Two Shot podcast. Nish Kumar, he of The Mash Report and General Funniness and Mr Joe Lysett. He of hilarity on ensues whenever he is in a room. And fantastic, what I can only describe as blouses. He does have incredible blouses.
1: What do you think the chances of getting all those people in the same room at the same time are, Mickey?
0: I'm glad you've asked, Joan, because I've been working very hard to make this happen, <laughs> alongside my <laughs> lovely colleagues, Jen and Hannah, who you may know well. And uh, it is going to happen at King's Place on November the 18th, which is International Men's Day Eve. It's going to be mint. Get your ticket. Yeah, if you want to get to www.standardissuepodcast.com, you will find details of that and our uh, many other live shows. I love that you always say the www. I know, <laughs> I, I interviewed Sam Avery, another man once, and he said it We're and everywhere. it just made me laugh, so I like to put it in.
1: Your books have been published for the last 30 years pretty much and you have written books you've written tv you've won countless awards you've been children's laureate noughts and crosses is about to be made into a major bbc series yeah. starring man of the moment stormzy <laughs> what is your proudest achievement
2: to date my proudest professional achievement i think actually the Yalk. <laughs> Um, It's a young adult literature convention which was started up when I was children's laureate and it runs every year. It's still running at Olympia in London. And what I wanted to do is bring teens to books and books to teens. And the YALC is part of London Film and Comic-Con so we have kind of film stars and TV stars and things who are there as well. And basically it's just... I wanted it to have a different feel to sort of your usual literary festivals in that you pay once and then you can go into as many workshops or as many events as you want to and I, I just love the way that it's actually seems every year it seems to get bigger and bigger and sort of the first year we had you know it was one of those things we set it up and I thought is anyone going to come is, is there going to just be tumbleweed blowing around our sort of our stalls and things but it was it was jam-packed I mean it was sold out and it was brilliant and I love the fact this got bigger and then the first year we had like one publisher in Waterstones and this year you had Waterwall kind of publishers around giving out freebies and so forth so I'm really happy that that's going because I think what that does introduces more teens to reading and and to new authors and part of my thing with it was to not just have established authors but have debut authors and so that and have lots of panels where we were mixing the two so that teens could not just come and see their favourite authors but get to learn about others as well and so I'm very proud that that's still going and I love the fact that that's still going and I love the fact that so many teens have come across new authors because of it so I think that would be definitely one of my proudest moments back to Stormzy for a minute
1: on the back of your book there's a quote from Stormzy it says the Noughts and Crosses series are my favourite books of all time your daughter must think you're pretty cool right?
2: (laughs) Well, uh, no, she doesn't. But, but she thinks, she said, you are one of the most uncool people I know and you have all these cool rappers following you. Because we have Tiny Temper, in his song Written in the Stars, he gave me a name check. And Lizzie's friend told her, I had no clue. And Lizzie's friend told her, and then she came running up and said, Mum, you're in Tiny Tempers' song. So we went on YouTube and watched the video. And there, I, you know, he, he was kind of doing his thing, but he gave me a name check. So I remember Lizzie looking at me and going, Oh, my God, you're, oh, you're almost cool, Mum. So I was calling her eyes for, like, 20 seconds. That's as long as that lasted. And then when she heard that Stormzy likes the books and so forth, and I got to meet Stormzy, and she was like, she was like, Oh, my God, you are so uncool, which I am. You know, I put my hand up to that. But it's just lovely that people like Stormzy, are kind of, like really like seem to like my books. And he's been wonderful because he said it to my face and he's saying it to other people that he really loved my books and so on. So I just think that's really lovely.
1: They don't read as much fiction, I think. Mm. Men, when they're older, don't read as much fiction because I think teenage boys tend to stop reading before teenage girls. Do. So yes. what a great ambassador for young men as well.
2: Absolutely, I think. And, and the fact that he's sort of helped to set up Murky Books, which is part of Penguin Random House where he's trying to get sort of voices that we don't particularly hear in publishing, um, trying to publish those and bring those to a wider audience. So I, I have um, so much respect for him because he kind of... He puts his money where his mouth is and he wants to kind of bring books to people who perhaps get disenchanted with reading sometimes because they don't see themselves in any of the books that, that, that are available and so he wants to kind of redress that so I think he, he's amazing and I think the fact that he's trying to ensure that that the world of publishing is more inclusive I think is, is, is brilliant and it's you know and high time. I mean the point you've just made about how people
1: don't necessarily see themselves in books so bring that back to noughts and crosses you've kind of flipped that racial dynamic around as you mentioned so what made you want to do that like what did you want to sort of show
2: through doing that I think what I wanted to do is show what it's like to be on the receiving end of racism when I originally had an idea and I thought I want to do something about racism and the legacy of slavery being racism, and I thought, and it was interesting because when I spoke to my friends about it, a lot of them were kind of, Why do you want to do that? That's so painful. And why do you want to do that? It's so long ago. And why do you want to go into that? that. I, well, yeah, because we still have you know, slavery going on now. But what was interesting to me was that so many people felt they knew what was going to be in a book before I'd even written a word. And so I thought, well, actually, how do I play with people's assumptions about what I'm going to write and and that's when I thought well how about if I flipped it so that white people in it, are, the noughts in it are second class citizens and the crosses are the ones who are kind of have in, in kind of the majority and and also what it meant was that I, I wanted to be very careful about how I address that so I decided I would call those kind of two groups noughts and crosses. And I made up derogatory names for them as daggers and blankers, so that's how they're referred to throughout the books. And in Noughts and Crosses, the first one, I only refer to colour once... And what so what's been interesting about that is I've had so many letters, for example, from Ireland where people have said, Oh, you're talking about Protestants and Catholics, aren't you? And the color thing is just they haven't picked up on that at all, which is brilliant. And I've had letters from Israel and they're saying you're talking about Israelis and Palestinians, aren't you? And I love that because people are then referring it to their own lives. I had one letter from a woman who said that she it had helped her, but it had also made her cry because her father was from Argentina. And this was around the time of the Falklands War. And she said he, him and his mates at work got on really well. They, they, they lived here. And she said the Falklands War came and suddenly all these people stopped talking to him and some of her friends stopped talking to her and she said the books help but they also kind of brought home this thing of you know the divisions between people and his her father had nothing to do with what was going on but the fact that some of his work colleagues wouldn't wouldn't speak to him this is why i wanted to write crossfire because it is people who kind of want to use this rhetoric of fear and division to divide people because they know that kind of if we're united then we are stronger and we can stand up to them and say you cannot do this but what they're interested in is kind of keeping us all divided so are all fighting kind of amongst ourselves rather than looking at the people who are, who are really causing the problems, which is sort of government policies. So I kind of wanted to explore that in Crossfire, so it, that's the reason I kind of flipped it so I, I, I wanted to just show what it was like to be on the receiving end of of racism and being deemed a second-class citizen and these microaggressions like that perhaps the majority won't see that the minority will always be aware of. For example, it was only a couple of years ago now, four or five years ago, where I was in Marks & Spencer's um, buying a pair of you know, tights or some lingerie or whatever, and they had a, a, a set of bras that I really liked, but they were labelled nude, and they were pink. And I thought, well, you know, that's not my flesh colour. And so it's things like that, where it sort of says flesh-coloured or nude, and and I think, yeah, but by labelling it as such, you're excluding people of colour or women of... or whoever wants to wear them, women, men of colour, whatever. But that's who you're excluding, and, and it's like recently there was a big thing about ballet shoes, now at last being made in kind of tones for people of colour as opposed to pink. Because if you were a ballet dancer, a black ballet dancer, you then had to find some black foundation or something to darken the shoes. So it was things like that, that, I, that as I said, that the majority won't see, unless it's pointed out to them, but the minority will always see, that I wanted to kind of highlight in the book by, t- by turning it on its head.
1: That's really interesting because I mean honestly flesh cut it would never have occurred to me in a million years, so yeah that's that's very interesting you're writing the uh, sixth installment now. what else is coming up for you obviously the TV series as well. Can you tell us anything about that
2: well it's coming soon and it's going to be it's been done for the Beeb, and we've been really lucky with the actors we've got for it because they are amazing, so we've got people like. Uh, Jack Rowan and Masali Bedouza playing Callum and Sefi but we've got Patterson Joseph and Helen Baxendale and, and so on so we've got some amazing amazing actors so I've seen a rough cut of it and I've sent the scripts and I think it looks amazing it's kind of like Noughts and Crosses Plus so I can't wait for people to see it and s- sort of see what people make of it and you don't have to have read the books at all obviously to have understand, watch it and enjoy it I hope but, um, but
1: do read
2: them yeah but do read them <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm just really really thrilled that that's happened. And and in fact, Pilot Theatre this year did the, the, the theatre play of Noughts and Crosses, adapted by um, Sabrina Mahfouz. And also in 2008, the RSC also did an adaptation of Noughts and Crosses. So I just think that's wonderful, because it was also very, very loosely based on Romeo and Juliet. So it kind of, the RSC did it from that point of view, which I love. And it's funny because I was kind of writing it and I thought, This is, you know, this is my version of Romeo and Juliet, really. But, you know, that's, I suppose, why it got picked up by the RSC. So I I do hope people will enjoy the TV series when it comes out.
1: Where can we find you on Twitter or online
2: so we can sort of keep up with what you're up to? Well, I'm on Twitter and Facebook. My Twitter handle is just at Mallory Blackman. And I'm on Facebook, Mallory Blackman. (laughs) Instagram, Mallory underscore Blackman. Um, Inconsistent. And I have a website, so, yeah, I'm... I'm on social media.
1: Noughts and Crosses Crossfire is out now. Uh, It's just been published and I presume available at all good
2: bookshops and online. It certainly is, yeah. It came out the 8th of August, so it's out now. And for anyone who gets it and reads it, I hope you enjoy it. Mary, thank you so much for joining. My
0: pleasure. hello mickey here to tell you how you can find out more about us and that is if you want to follow us on twitter standard issue is at standard issue uk i'm at mixta noonan hannah is at that dunleavy and jen is at inspira jen and you can find out more about our views opinions and general nonsense if you follow us over there look forward to having an natter